All right, guys, welcome to the James Gang Bible Study. <laughs> Taking a journey each week for the next 18 weeks through the book of James. It's our honor to have a speaker with us tonight who's named James. He's going to bring us the word tonight. So let's pray, and I'll turn it to James. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word. Thank you, Lord, for James, who's prepared himself. We pray, Lord, you'd use him mightily. Help him, Lord, to speak with all his heart, hold nothing back, to give us the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, James, it's all yours, brother. Hello, everyone. I'm James Neal. We've been here, Jeff, you said you were here 19 years, right? I think we were were a year or two before that, about 20 years. And it's been a, a wonderful journey, and we've made a lot of good friends, and had really good ministry, and so I'm happy to bring the word of the Lord to you tonight, and um, we'll see how this goes. I want to preach or teach from the first chapter of James, and actually I'm assigned to the 12th through the 15th verse. But I got to tell you, I just can't jump into that. I I, I got to work my way up to that. And I'm going to get there and lay the foundation for this and share a few thoughts with you. And um, so the subject we're talking about tonight is temptation. And I think we all know what that what that means and what that involves. And when I started studying and kind of preparing some notes, some thoughts, uh, I was overwhelmed with, uh, information, and I had to try to trim down to something that I could bring to you tonight in the allotted time, and and uh, I don't know why I just jumped on this subject. Uh, maybe I got a PhD in this, and <laughs> I don't realize it, but I think if we would all be honest, I think we all endure temptation. I think we all are faced with temptation. Let's face it. Temptation is a way of life. I mean, it's a fact of life. I mean, it's a fact of life, and it's something that we all face. And at different times in our life, temptation can be greater. Uh, It may not be as bad sometimes. We may have a time of rest or peace, but at any time, we can find ourselves in temptation. And in the book of James, in the first chapter, let's read a little bit of the Word of God and James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall. When you fall. Now, I'm going to do some some word definitions tonight. I, I am not a Greek scholar. I don't profess to be. But this word has, uh, it denotes that you fall into something that is all around you. Have you ever had a time in your life when you find yourself facing several issues at one time. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I think a lot about the Second World War because my dad was in it and we talked a lot about it, but here Germany had all of these fronts they were fighting and then their leader opened the Eastern Front of all things. And sometimes I think, you know, just when I thought I had all this under control. Now I'm facing yet another front, and I think in my mind about the eastern front, and I think about some big deal that that made these other issues dwarf in size, look like they're nothing. And But he says to count it all joy when you fall into different, now I'm reading from the King James, it says divers, but I'm, I, I want to use this version if you don't mind, into divers or different, temptations. So we're going to we're going to have times when we find ourselves surrounded by many temptations. But there's a there's a reason for this. There's a, a plan. God has a plan. Knowing this, and here's why we can count it all joy, because we know this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But you gotta let it work. But let Patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So we have these temptations, 
We are fighting the good fight of faith. We have an enemy who wants to destroy us, and I believe that the enemy causes us to be tempted or puts temptation in our path. I, I attribute that to the devil, okay, that we are tempted. I 100% attribute that to the devil. Now, we're going to see that there is something working in us too, but I'm not letting the devil off the hooks. I've heard people say, no, the devil, yeah, the devil does bad things, okay? And so <laughs> let's get that straight in our mind right now. Generally speaking, the word temptation means to test or to scrutinize, to entice, to examine, to prove, to tempt, to try. And it says to try by adversity. When I joined the U.S. Army, we swore an oath and an allegiance. And immediately after we said, I do, which when you say I do, you did under those circumstances. Somebody called us to attention, and everybody in the room snapped to what they thought was attention. I knew what it was because my dad was a career soldier. So I knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what to expect. And uh, But anyway, uh, and I remember that a guy there was giving us instructions. And someone, some young guy said something about that. Wouldn't it be more convenient to do it this way or that way? And I remember the guy saying, listen, here's how it works. He says, we're going to do everything in our power to make your life as inconvenient as we can. That was my introduction to the U.S. Army, because I already knew that. And I was watching a, a documentary not long ago about some young recruits that uh, and the sergeant was talking to them, and they were in this large room, and they were sitting around, squatting around on the floor, and they were all disheveled, and their uniforms didn't fit, and they were asking questions, and and uh, and he was talking to them and reasoning with them. I don't remember anybody ever reasoning with me when I was in the Army. And they would give instructions and say, are there any questions? No one said anything. And then they would say, there better not be. That, that was the way it was. So, yeah, we, we we are fighting. We are in a war, and we are in the army of the Lord. And our enemy is going to give us no quarter, okay? He's not going to cut us any slack. We might as well face that. So we're going to face temptation. So we're going to be tried. We're going to... And, and yet God is going to take this, that the, that the enemy means for bad, to destroy us, and God is going to take that for our good. The, the word also goes on to mean to entice, examine, induce, persuade, enticement or allurement, to appeal strongly to, to invite to do something unwise or wicked, to attract us by, now listen to this, to attract us by holding out the probability of gratification or advantage, often in the direction of that which is wrong or unwise. Gratification or, the, or an advantage. Give us an advantage over someone else or for ourselves to try and to prove us. Uh, the trying of the of the faith, the trying of our faith. Much of this is in the ball is in our court. A lot of the things that have happened in my life, I've looked back on them, and I have determined that a lot of it was something that I brought on myself. It's a situation that I brought myself into because of an unwise decision, or something that I I did or I omitted that I should have done. But anyway. God wants our faith to be strengthened. I want you to look and hold your place there and look in 1 Peter, the first chapter, and, and this is talking about the trying of our faith. Now, these words, tempt, temptation, uh, all of these words are very similar and interchangeable, and they all have pretty much the same meaning. There is one that has a little bit of a different meaning. We'll talk about it in a minute. But, but Peter says here, Blessed, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow, that's really great. To an inheritance. Now, incorruptible, undefiled, 
It fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's all good, isn't it? It's all good. It's great. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It's all good. Wherein you greatly rejoice. It's all good. Though now. These are key words here. And and you know what, friends, guys? This is where we are now. Though now. I love to talk about heaven. I love to preach about heaven. And I love history. But you know what? And the, and the reality is, though now is where we are right now. Though now, for a season, not from now on, but for a season... If need be, that always fit me. I always needed whatever happened, whatever God sent my way, whatever God wanted to prove me and trust me in, I always needed. If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That means a whole lot of temptations, a lot of things that happen. And here's the reason why. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So this thing of temptation comes along, and we just think that, you know, we get we we find ourselves in a situation that we're kind of tempted, and and um, uh, that's the end of that. Well, it depends on the severity of the temptation that comes in our life and the, and the situations that we have, and it's for the trying of our of our faith. And by the way, this word trying of our faith means to essay, to essay. Think about the prospector who years ago who got that little bag of gold and he goes into town. And what does he go into town for? He's going to the essay office and he wants to see what quality and what quantity and the purity of the gold that he has to see what he has. So, you know, the trying of our faith from God's perspective is to try us by fire, to allow us to be tried by fire so that we will come forth as gold. Remember what Joseph what Job said when he was tried? He he didn't know what happened. He didn't know why he was going through that situation. He had no idea. He didn't know that there was a conversation in heaven regarding him and that the devil was going to come after him. He had no idea. And and I even heard someone say one time that he was self-righteous. I don't think he was self-righteous. I think he was trying to figure out what I do wrong to cause all this to happen. I don't think he was a self-righteous guy. I think I think he did pretty good under the circumstances, to be honest with you. And uh, so, anyway, he said at one point he just made a statement of faith, and he said, you know, when he... Uh, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So there was something good working in his life that was going to be worked out in his life that was going to get God glory. Just like there's something good working in your life and my life that is going to get God glory in our lives. Uh, the devil tempts us in the hopes that we will fail. God allows us to be tried in the hope that we will be strengthened and that we will learn to overcome. I recently took started taking guitar lessons with Marit Smith, just to get as an example. And you know, I, I'm really trying to do well at this, and and I think to myself, I don't know how this is ever going to turn into anything, but I'm enjoying the lessons, and but. Any little thing I do good, anything, he's real excited about it. Maritz is real excited about it. He's just glad to see me. You're, you've improved. I said, I have? How did I improve? Well, I can see the improvement. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there plunking along, you know, making all the sounds. And, and I can tell that he has my best interest at heart. You see what I'm saying? I used to work, remember, I, well, no, y'all don't remember. About 15 years ago, I preached a sermon, and I talked about a friend of mine by the name of Chester. Chester was an older man, and he was a, a carpenter, and he and I worked together, and Chester was a really cool guy. I mean, he's a great guy. I learned more about the kingdom of God from Chester than anybody else. And Chester was given to fits of anger. He threw things. He cussed. He yelled. He pushed me around. He threatened me. 
But I learned more about the things of God because he also said, can't isn't in my vocabulary. He said that. You don't hear that much now. Did you know that? Oh, if it's too hard for you, don't worry about it. We'll get you counseling. Yeah. You know, I was I was in the infantry, and I was scrambling up a hill. All of us were scrambling up a hill one time, and I don't know why in the Army they always make you wear a field jacket when it's hot. I don't know what that's about. And when it's freezing cold, they bring ice cream out. And, and so, anyway, we were scrambling up this hill, and we were all mad and stumbling and falling and bumping into each other. And it, just at any moment, a fight could break out. And, I, and we're thinking about quitting, and I get to the top of this hill, and I see a little sign there, and it says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Man, that motivated me. I ain't going to give them the satisfaction of seeing me quit. And, and I guess everybody else did the same thing. And we, you know, we sucked it up and went on up. And, and, and that's what happens. That's, what's supposed, that's what happens when we, let, when we let faith have its perfect work in our life, when we let the trial of our faith work for us and not against us, which is why I went to this portion of Scripture, by the way. Uh, it says over here, uh, i got to tell you this, tried with fire and might be found unto praise and honor and the glory and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Key words. One of the reasons we want to endure temptation is because we love the Lord. We want to do the right thing, don't we? We want to do right by God. In whom, you haven't seen him, but you love him. In whom, though, here it is again, though now. Okay, that's real important, because that's where we are. See, this the word of God is current. It's up to date. Though now, you see him not yet believing. We just believe anyway. That's what... That's what pleases God. Did you know that? That is pleasing to God. When we believe him anyway, even though we're not seeing what it is we're believing him for, but we believe him. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. See, we're going to receive the end of our faith, the end result. We're going to see it. We're going to, we're going to realize it. Okay, let's go back over to James in the first chapter. And uh, I want to go to the 12th verse of the first chapter. And I want to read this. And in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, this, this can go one of three ways, okay? This verse can go one of three ways. This is what I'm supposed to teach on tonight. One thing we can do is we can endure the temptation and everything will be okay. The other thing we could do, conceivably do, is we could fail to endure the temptation, fall into sin, and perhaps God in his mercy will deliver us and we can repent. Now, if that happens, we reap what we sow. There's going to be collateral damage. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be there's going to be problems that result from that. But God promised, Jesus promised if if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If if someone if if someone in in the state of Texas commits a heinous crime against someone else, they can be forgiven of that. But the state of Texas is going to require that they pay a price for that. You see what I'm saying? They can be forgiven, but there is still a collateral damage to to deal with. The other thing that could happen is that a person can be tempted and with a sin can be faced with temptation. They do not endure the temptation. And instead of 
of enduring the temptation, they are drawn into it. Whatever that temptation is, they are drawn into it, and then it takes its course and its downward momentous spiral. Now, when I read this, I've never seen this before. I've never felt like this before. When I read this, I see sandwiched in between blessed is the man, the crown of life, and right in the middle of those is this temptation thing. And when I read this word, temptation, let's see, how would I explain this to you? How about if I just explain it to you the way it happened to me? I read it, and I got an eerie feeling. It's just a personal observation. This is not some theological point, okay? And the eerie feeling that I got is the same feeling that I get when I encounter the drug of heroin. In my whole career in police work, of all the designer drugs, of everything out there, to me, and this is just an observation, a personal observation I've made in my life. I have no scientific data to prove it. It's just something I've observed on a personal level. That is the most insidious drug there is. It it drives people. It's got a demon with it. Okay? That's what it is. It's a demon. And it is the most sinister, the most sinister evil drug that I know of. That's just and even, I'm surprised, even the state thinks it's illegal. I mean, I'm surprised they still feel that way. I'm glad they do. And right behind it, in little bitty letters, is that other drug that everybody's accustomed to, and that's alcohol. You talk about a devastating drug. But why am I telling you this? Because when I saw this, when I read this, I read it, and man, I got this eerie feeling about this. This word, I saw this word temptation like I'd never seen it before. I'm going to try to stay with my notes so I can be sure to remember what to say to you. It, it has a, a little bit of a fl different flavor of a meaning in that it speaks of the deep or the depth, as in the depth of the ocean seas. It has a sinister tone to it, and I call it the abyss of sin. Okay, the very depth, the abyss. The bottomless pit of sin. This is what happens when people don't endure temptation. And there's no reason for that not to happen. I mean, for that to happen. They should be able to endure the temptation. Hopefully we all will, if and when that comes to us. It is the true, this word, is the true and full nomenclature of temptation as it leads someone to death. Okay? Does that sound scary? I, I, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'd rather preach about Elijah on the mountaintop. I'd rather preach about Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho and the good guys win and it's, you know, it's all really cool, but, I, and I don't sell them ever talk it like this. I, I don't, but I'm going to tell you tonight, and I want to tell you just like this is, I believe I'm talking, I believe I'm speaking on God's behalf. And I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I don't know nothing. i tell you what I do know. I know that I face temptation. I know that. And so, anyway, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon made an observation. And I'm not going to do all this long reading. I'm just going to skip over this. But I want to show you something about this. Remember, we, we opened this up with where well, you fall into, you, you find yourself surrounded with this large capacity of, of trials. You fall into temptations or trials. And so here we are. We're gonna, I want to examine the worst-case scenario here, and then we'll come out of that. I promise you we'll come out of it. But in the seventh chapter of Proverbs, you, you don't have to turn to there if you don't want to, but I'm going to just skip over and read. And, and he's talking about uh, uh, wisdom and keep my words, keep my commandments, bind them uh, upon your fingers, write them on your heart, say to my wisdom, you're my sister, and call understanding my counsel, my kinsman. In verse 5 it says that they may keep thee from the strange woman, 
from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that every temptation is, a, is of a sexual nature. Please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that. Because a number of years ago, many years ago, remember those ultralight airplanes? Remember that was the craze for a while? And there was these two guys involved in some kind of a, a business, I guess, about these ultralights. And all I know is what I saw on the news, and, and I saw the wife of the one sitting in court with her head leaned up a rel- against a relative, and she was exhausted. She, you could tell. I've seen that look before. There are no more tears to cry. And what happened was there was some dis- there was some question about ownership and possession and control of, and the one guy, I mean, this guy was just a regular guy, a good guy, you know, played by the rules, did everything, and he murdered the guy and rolled his body up in a, a carpet or a, a tarp. Isn't this awful? Isn't this an awful thing to talk about? And and it, and I remember at the time, even though I don't remember all the all of the uh, technicalities and the details, I just remember thinking at the time that this man, he he coveted and he lusted after that point. He wanted it, and he wasn't going to share it. And he you know, I say that. Uh, Temptation, sin. Sin. Anyway. Boy, he... As woman is. Any... Is a strange woman. Is that... They... I never heard... Anyone other. And if you're not married... Think would be anyone that would lead you into a relationship that does not. I looked out, and guess what I saw? Behold, among the simple ones, I discerned among the youth a young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and her is the strange woman. Okay. I was a detective for 16 years, and and I always tried to get a confession from the bad guy. And so <laughs> what I wanted, the best thing would be is they would write down, yeah, I did it, and here's my name. I'm signed. I wish I hadn't, but I'd done it. Okay. If they won't do that, the next best thing is if I can put them at the scene. That's the next best thing. If that don't work, if I can put them in the general area near there, like near her corner. What is he doing near her corner? How many times have we positioned ourselves, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, have we positioned ourselves into a sinful situation? And I'm not just talking about sexual sin. I'm talking about anything you could ever be tempted with. Well, in the twilight, verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, oh, in the black and the dark night. Wow. Does not the devil love darkness? What greater opportunity than to walk in darkness if you want to sin? And this woman met him. She was subtle, very cunning. And she was had the attire of a harlot, but I'm not sure she was a harlot because she has a husband and he's got money. I don't think money was the motivation. Did you know that... There are people that would trip you up just for the sheer pleasure of you being tripped up and falling into some kind of a sin, just to see you fall, just for the enjoyment of seeing you fall. And so, anyway, she's loud. She's loud. She's stubborn. She's out of her, out of her home. And she caught him, and she kissed him. Whoa. That kind of escalated things a little bit, didn't it? And then she starts talking smack. Ah, I've made peace offerings. 
uh, I came forth today diligently to meet you. She ain't never done anything diligent in her life but try to destroy <laughs> people, you know. And he's too he's too dumb to know any difference. He's too simple to know any difference. We can't be that way. We can't afford to be like that. And you know how we quit being that way and how we get to be wise? We read the Bible. Ain't that right, Bob? We read the Word of God. It's a, the, the Word of God is able to make you wise. Okay, come, let us fill, take our fill of love. She invites him to the house. The husband's not there. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. Now, every man, stay right there, verse 14. It says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation when he's tried, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted to God, for God, God cannot be tempted with either neither, with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see that? In verse 14 of James 1, he's drawn away. One translation says he's dragged away. It would be like if you put a hook in somebody's jaw and dragged them away. Here he is. She kissed him. She talked about how handsome he was. And she told him things he wanted to hear. And it says here in verse 22, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, <laughs> or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare, and doesn't know it's for his life. Hearken unto me. Now listen to the words of my mouth. Let your heart, let not your heart decline. Take that downward spiral to go to her ways. Go not astray in her past, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her, ha her house is the way to hell, going down, down, down to the chambers of death. Okay? Enough of that. James 1. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. That temptation comes along and a link <laughs> reaches out and touches that lust in a person's life. You see what I'm saying? Lust means to set the heart upon something or someone. A longing for what is forbidden. So here's this temptation, and here's this lust in a person's heart. I wonder if we have lust in our heart. I just wonder about that. I heard someone say the other day, you know, everybody's got uh, can cancer cells in them. I'm like, well, I hope I don't have cancer cells. They say everybody does. I don't know. But I wonder if we have lust in our heart. Remember that, that when Jesus told the disciples how to pray, he said in the, in the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I always wondered what that meant. Why in the world? What would God lead us into temptation for? And, it, it, and I heard Pastor Mike Hayes over in Dallas explain that one time. He said, he said in, so, in so many words, he said, you know, the prayer is, Lord, don't let my path cross that point of opportunity where that weakness in me meets just the right circumstance. And, and I believe in the Word of God, I believe that God tells us to pray that we won't be tempted to pray about that. You can pray for yourself. You can pray and ask God to help you. Lord, don't let me get caught in a snare. I had a friend many, many years ago, no one here, not, not unassociated, and he was married. And he got into a relationship, but it hadn't progressed very far. But he was inching him, himself into it, and God intervened and delivered him. He delivered him. And he went to the Word, and he repented, and he was telling me about it. And he talked about that snare of the devil. You know, 
Remember me telling you about that skunk? Uh, I'm not going to tell you much about the skunk except it's still there. And I, I rented a, I rented a trap to catch this skunk that I, I that has taken over my farm. And anyway, this skunk is, I mean, this trap is long and it's got a trap door, and you put this bait on the inside, and so the the animal is supposed to go through the trap, the snare, and when it steps on that little pedestal where that food is, there's these little hooks, and it releases these hooks, and the door closes. <coughs> In theory. <laughs> I spent, I've got cat food. They said use cat food with fish. I, I've got cat food. I spent 20, 10, I don't know how much I spent on that thing, and I never did catch it, but anyway, uh, it's still there. That's a trap. The enemy lays a trap for us. Last year, I prayed about a situation, and I said, God, deliver me from the snare of the devil. Deliver me from the trap of the enemy. You know what that problem could be? It could be a sexual thing. It could be the temptation to quit. How about that one? That's a pretty big one, isn't it? In fact, there's probably more in the Bible about that than anything else. The temptation, let us not be weary in well-doing, for you'll, you'll, you'll reap if you faint not. We had a guy at work that he, he got upset because of the assignment he had, and he, he said, I told him, I told him, I don't want to do this. I want to work in this, in this section. So what does he do? He just gets mad because he was working for this judge who was real mean, and he gets mad, and he just quits and walks away. She resigned like two or three days later. I mean, <laughs> go figure. I mean, we, we give up too soon. We get, the fight is too big a fight. Where are we going to go? What, what are we going to do? Is there some other God out there with a better plan or a better benefit <laughs> package? No, there ain't no other God. You know, that's the problem with this country. There's no other God but the Lord our God. Amen. He's the only living God. There's not another one. We're not going to get a better deal anywhere else. We got a better deal than God did. He saved us. We were the ones who didn't deserve to be saved. He died for us when we didn't deserve it. We got the best deal. Anyway, uh, The next thing that happens, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. What did we say? Her house leads to the depth of hell. Hell, death, the place of death. Whether that portion of scripture is talking about a sexual thing or whether it is talking about a business deal in which you have so, you covet and you lust after something so much that you'll do anything to get it whatever it takes whatever you have to do to eliminate your adversary the your competition if you have to defraud them defame them get a hit man whatever you got to do to get rid of them to the point that you lust after that position or that whatever it is you want so bad. I, I saw a documentary about this farmer. These two farmers were competing over this piece of land, and they and they ended up with bad blood. I call it I call it bad blood because I just couldn't think of any other way to. And that's from years of talking to people who are fighting in marriages and domestics, and and I and I see what I determine is bad blood. There's bad blood. I don't know how technically right that is. It's the way I see it. And they had bad blood, and and one met the other one, and he was so full of hatred. He hated this guy that he killed him and hid his body in a barrel, and he was, of course, found. Well, they interviewed him in prison, and when he came out, he had that same look of hatred in his eyes. It was not gone. It That that murder didn't solve nothing. It didn't. It just pushed him further down. And so uh, that's what lust is, and that's how we, we, we can be enticed or tricked or trapped or baited. And, of course, when sin conceives, it brings forth death. Uh, I 
want to go to heaven. I don't. I don't know. I can't describe hell other than what I've heard in the reading the Bible. But I'm going to tell you something. And I was telling someone this yesterday about hell. I said hell is unimaginable. It is an unimaginable horror. It just is. It is a situation that cannot be resolved. If 50 billion years, there's, there's no years, but if you could measure it in years, if 50 billion years went by, one guy went to heaven, the other guy went to hell, heaven is going to be just as glorious as it always was, and this will be like it was the first moment. And there is no remedy. I don't know if I'm talking to y'all or talking to me or I guess all of us, but I don't usually say that. Uh, this young man was not the first to encounter this lust, this sin, and he would not be the last. So what do we do with this thing, this thing called temptation, coming down the home stretch here? How do we deal with temptation? Uh, I want to say this to you. It may be just as simple as this. Don't position yourself to be tempted. That that came from God. And it came from experience. I work in a place that has four, 5,000 people a day. And half of them are women. And they are mostly dressed nicely. And you have to keep the right perspective. All ages, shapes, and sizes, you have to have the right perspective. Somebody's going to be the amateur, and somebody's going to be the professional. And we're going to be the professional. I say that in terms that I understand. So it may be that in order for you to either avoid temptation altogether is don't position yourself. And by that I mean don't orchestrate a situation in which your lust can cross that path and make that connection. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you all? Or if you're standing there, don't position yourself where you can see what you shouldn't be seeing to increase the temptation in your life. The other day, I was working this x-ray machine, the door. People are just coming by by the jillions. And and I'm looking for guns, knives, anything like that. And and I see across the room, I get a glance of a guy, and he's sitting on this bench, and there's this big column. And he's, he's, look, he's looking around this column. And then I thought, well, what's he looking at? And I look over here, and there's this, Real pretty young lady, and she's sitting down in a chair taking her shoes off because she has to go through this machine. And she's facing him, and he's looking at her, and then he moves over. And he goes like that. He's just staring at her like he's in suspended amination. He, now, please, don't misunderstand me. I, I think that for a young man, or I guess to look at a pretty woman... I guess that's okay. I mean, that's pretty much normal. It's about the no most normal thing in the world. But if it goes beyond that and it becomes something else, then he's getting into that temptation thing. So it may be the best thing to do in the first place is don't put yourself in a position to be tempted. You know, uh, my wife and I, we don't go to bars and clubs because... You know, I used to live like that. So why would I want to put myself in a situation? I mean, I'm not going to judge those people. But why would I put myself in a situation where I might be tempted with alcohol or drugs or uh, some bad relationship that might develop or the devil can find that, that or there, if there's a little, if there's a weak place in there, I'm sure there is. Why would I do that? That's why I don't agree with doing things like that. I have no right to judge people. I'm not judging them. And I just, you know, and that's why I don't 
I try to avoid habits because I already had habits. Why would I want to go back to habits and and open myself up to that again? I go to church because I love the Lord. But I tell you another reason I go to church. I go to church because I don't want to be a heathen. I want to hear the word. I want to mix and mingle with God's people. I want to sing songs. That's why I go to church. So position yourself in the right way. You don't need a prophet to come and tell you, thus says the Lord, you shall not go, you should not go to this place or that place. You don't need that. You just need to adhere to the word of God and wholesome living. Back in the late, maybe it was the late 70s, there was this movie that came out, The Exorcist. Y'all remember that? I, my pastor at the time, Pastor Flowers, on a Wednesday night, he got up and he said, that movie is evil. And he said, and I'm telling you not to go to that movie because it's not good for you. It will do you no good. Do you know I have never gone to that? I've never seen that movie. And I don't intend to ever see it because those were my instructions. I still consider those to be valid instructions. I don't know. If I, if I put aside, if I position myself to do that, and I put aside sound advice. I wonder what could happen if I position myself wrong, wrongly. You see what I'm saying? Remember the I heard the story about the the cowboy. I don't know the whole story, but the cowboy that had a problem with drinking, and he was trying to go to church and trying to do the right thing. And and every Sunday he'd go to church, and he he ties he ties horse up at this hitching post, and he walked by the saloon to go to church. Well, he never quite made it to church. He ended up in the saloon. So he went to the preacher and asked the preacher, what should I do? And the preacher said, tie your horse up at another hitching post. It may just be that simple to help us do the right thing. You know, why would I, if I had a gambling problem, why would I go to Windstar? Funny, I would, tonight I was, in the last 15 minutes of my duty schedule, I was working with a guy, and he said, yeah, we go to Windstar all the time, and and uh, we, we've won some money, and we've lost some money, and and uh, <coughs> I thought, well, I don't know why he'd be talking about that when I'm going to mention something about that tonight, but, you know, it, I know a guy that has a problem with gambling. He can't quit, and he ends up with these big debts, and he's, then he has to work extra jobs to try to pay that debt, so why go to Windstar? Wouldn't it just be better to, if you were on the way and you had a flat tire, that would be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> or if you just, I, you know, I don't know how many times I've thought that. When I'm talking to some guy that's done something he shouldn't have done, I thought, you know, it would have been better if you would just stayed home and watched TV. <laughs> I've told people that before. Why did you do that? I caught a guy stealing one time, and I was putting the handcuffs on him, and I was just making conversation. I said, why would you do that? And he said, well, I wanted it, and I didn't have the money. Now, that's my kind of thief. You know, that's my kind of guy right there, you know. No excuses. I want it, but I didn't have the money. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, that's the first thing. Don't position yourself. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good manners. If you position yourself with the wrong people, you're going to talk like them. You're going to think like them. 1 Corinthians 6.14, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I'm running out of time. So the next thing is to be content. 1 Timothy 6 and 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Think about it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge, them, plunge men into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, what am I saying? If you have wealth, you're a bad person? No. You can be poor and be discontent. You can be rich and be discontent. You cannot have two dimes together to rub together and you have the love of money. Okay? Not money is not the root of all evil. The love of money. 
So if the spirit of discontent is working in you, it doesn't matter if you're an executive or if you're a blue-collar worker. It's the same thing. So what we should do is we should use the gift God hasn't given in our lives, and we should try to do better and to succeed and to enjoy success and take contentment with us on the way. That's the issue. It's not that a person has a lot. It's that. The last thing I want to bring to you, and then I'll finish with one last verse, is deploy God's exit strategy. We're in a war, and we need an exit strategy. I have a friend who's absolutely fearless. His, his greatest thing in life is to catch bad guys. And he walked up this alleyway, and he encountered a situation that he was in over his head as an officer. So you know what he did? He backed out. And I came up about that time, and he said, I'll do it another time. I'll be in over my head. He's consistent. Now, here's the deal. We never back down from the devil. We don't back down. But we might have to back off and regroup and uh, get a new plan, whatever it takes, and learn a lesson. And the fact is, the guy was later arrested. Arrested. The reason I know is because I'm the one that did it. <laughs> anyway, First uh, Corinthians 10 and 12, and this is the exit strategy. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has taken you or seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Or in King James, it says to make a way to escape. Remember after Paul was baptized, he started preaching the gospel, and he ended up in somebody's house, and the Jews were after him. And what did they do? They let him down in a basket on the outside of the wall so he could escape. This great man of God who could cast out demons and he's having to run for his life. I look at it like this. If some bad guy comes after me and and he's six foot six and 350 pounds, then if he can catch me, he can have me if he can catch me. Then I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, I'm, to win that encounter. And so uh, I'll, just, I'll just tell you now that the best thing you probably need to do in a situation like that is get out of Dodge, okay? Don't don't get in over your head in some situation. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? And they went to cast out this demon, and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and the devil said, what? Who Paul preaches? Well, I know him, but who are you? And the devil jumped on them, and they ran out of the house. All the Bible says naked and bruised and all beat up and everything. Can you imagine what it was like? Listen, uh, Joseph, when Joseph was tempted with Potiphar's wife, you know how old he probably was? I'm going to say around 18, maybe 17, 18. He was 17 when he had the coat of many colors. Okay, here she is, and I never heard anybody preach about this, but we're men. This is a man's group, so I'm going to be honest, frank with you. At that point in his life, his sex drive was probably greater than it was ever going to be. So I think there was more of a temptation than we even realize. You know, and so uh, anyway, he, uh, he, you say, well, what good did it do? He ended up in prison. God had a plan, didn't he? God had a plan. <laughs> and that trial of his faith was worth it. But he And he said two things. One, he said, no, I don't want to do this because, well, it wasn't that he didn't want to be involved, but he said, I can't do this because my master, he's left me in charge of everything. He trusts me. And not only that, he didn't, he didn't allow himself that to be tempted into that because he loved the Lord. That was the other motivation. He loved the Lord. He didn't want to hurt God's feelings. It hurts God's feelings when we sin. You know, people want to talk about the unpardonable sin. You know what? The devil would love for you to come up with one sin God can't forgive. Forget that. If people if people continue to 
grieve the Spirit of the Lord, and where they have nothing to do with him, then what recourse is there? What can they do? What can God do? A woman told me the other day, she was there when her dad died. And with moments, just a short time, she said, Dad, you can be saved, and Jesus will still forgive you and, and love you. And he said, yeah, right, I'll bet. And then a short time later, he started to die. She said he got this horrible look on his face. She said, I know he was lost, and he still could have been saved. That's hardcore <laughs> preaching, isn't it? <laughs> well, the, the word temptation that I told you, I was looking, and I found in the book of Hebrews, this is my computer writing here, in Hebrews 11.37, you want to turn there, it talks about the heroes of faith and some of the things they endured. In Hebrews 11.37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted. And it's the same word that we deal with that he's talking about, temptation, when we are tempted. They were tempted. You mean those heroes of faith were tempted? Yeah, they were tempted. Think about it. And then I close with this. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth. And what do you think it means to endure? Well, when you endure, you just keep on keeping a good attitude. I mean, we could get, we could do all kinds of Greek stuff. I mean, I could, and I'm sure somebody could, and 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 try to make something out of it that it isn't, but it's you just keep on believing God. You keep on being faithful to God. You keep on saying the right things. You keep on praying and and building yourself up in faith. You keep on coming to the house of God. You keep on reading the Bible. That's how you endure temptation. Yeah, it's no pill you take or or some great healing revival. Some guy comes and lays hands on you. Okay, now you can endure. No, you can endure because the Bible says you can. Amen. All right? And... Uh, now here's, for when he is tried, remember, going to take that faith to the essay office. He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that what? Love that love him. That's what it was all about in, in any way, wasn't it? Either we're going to love him more or we're going to love sin more. So, uh, the crown... The crown of life, you know, back in that day in that culture, they had those, they put crowns on and they had the wreath and it, it symbolizes something. But this crown is not like a natural crown that can be priced. If it was a natural crown, you could price it, couldn't you? You could take it down to the extreme pond place and they could, they could give you a, here's what this is worth. But this crown is the crown of life. And everything that that stands for, which is... Life, it means life in all of its manifestations, eternal life, resurrection life, the value and the worth of the crown, and all of which is covered, it covers, all that it covers, the crown of life. That's what we want. Now, I'm not saying that, that temptation isn't easy. It may be an almost overwhelming temptation to do something, to do some evil thing. And I think probably the easiest thing to describe the meaning of this is the temptation, like some kind of sexual temptation. But, but if we will, if we will not position ourselves incorrectly, if we will be content, and if we will deploy, deploy God's strategy and exit and get out of there, if we have to run for our lives, if we have to run from that situation, then run from it. Okay? Good. And so I ended on a high note, didn't I? Yeah, we're going to be victorious. Because <laughs> we're not going to do that other. Yeah. I, I just... I don't know, the Lord let me to share that with you. I, I seldom ever do that, don't know that I ever have, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do the, the right thing, we're going to do the good thing. We're going to succeed because God is on our side and He wants to help us. All right, yeah, we're going to uh, take questions and comments from the crowd and then from our conference crowd. So anybody have any questions or comments related to this awesome word we've just heard? I was impacted good, so it was perfect for me. I started to say there better not be. There better not be. I'm just kidding. I mean, just uh, maybe a, a comment on what you were teaching, and I think Vince taught last, when he taught last about 
God making a way for an escape, and it may have been a different verse, but what Vince was explaining was that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have to go through that, right. that he sees us through it successfully. So that reminded, I thought about that a lot. So, Lord, deliver me from this. It's like, okay, I know you're going to see me through this. And also in Vince's teaching was the part about that temptation puts the puts it into comfort or uh, that comfort mode. The comfort it's, zone. The comfort zone is to take us out of the comfort zone. And uh, okay, any other questions or comments? I I I really appreciated the comment you made about not positioning yourself to be tempted, because it reminds me so often that you know because we're in a we're fallen people. And our, our natural thought process is always to go to the negative. You know, when we hear something like that, we always think about, well, don't do this and don't do that, don't do that. But it, it clicked with me also that we need to make sure that we don't position ourselves to be tempted through acts of omission. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we, we don't, we've got to make sure we are in the Word, that we are in prayer, that we are in fellowship, that we have accountability. Because we often put ourselves in the position of doing that but through the lack of omitting the things that God knows will be the armor that keeps us healthy and strong. So I really appreciated that comment. I think running from temptation is important. Yes. But uh, it's not just a running from, it's running to, to yes. the throne of grace. Right. And the passage in 1 Corinthians 10 that talks about God being faithful and making a way of escape for it, for us, um, the context of that is talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness, said everything that happened to them happened to us for an example, mm -hmm. and then it breaks into this temptation. No temptation is taken, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way of escape. And if you look at the children of Israel in the wilderness, every temptation they faced, uh, um, slavery, God made a way of escape through the Passover lamb, uh, the bitter water, God made a way of escape through uh, throwing the tree in the water. Uh, no water. God made a way of escape by, by bringing water out of the rock. No food. God made a way of escape right. out of raining down manna. People trying to sow discord. God made a way of escape by removing them from their midst. And all of those ways of escape are beautiful pictures of Jesus. So he ultimately is my way of escape. So like Joseph fled temptation because of respect for his master, but also his love for God. And that is paramount, paramount yes. for victory, his love for God. May God help us to develop yeah. um, our hearts in such a way, set our affections on things above uh, and not on things below, Amen. which is what got David, got David in trouble. Wrote all those psalms. Had his affections on things above, but then one day he got his eyes off the Creator and put them on the creation, and mm -hmm. oops, there we go. Anybody else? All right, let's see. Hey, brothers. Hey. Did you hang with us? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. All right, do you have any questions or comments for Brother James? Well, I personally was tempted to ask a question, but I think I better not. <laughs> now go ahead, man. He's looking for the way to escape. <laughs> it's all good. Nothing for me, James. You did a good job. All right. Anybody else? All right, James, why don't you pray for us? Okay. Just from your heart, just uh brothers, let's just stretch our hands out at home. And even here and receive the power of James' prayer. Father, we just come before you tonight and we we take hold of this word and we receive it into our spirit, soul, and body. Yes. Lord, we don't walk away and forget it, but we take it as we have all these words that we received. And Lord, this word, let not this word temptation be a sinister thing unto us, but let us endure, help us to endure and never travel down that road, Lord, and to walk in life and light. I pray for every man here. If there is a a weakness in e any person here or listening, Lord, that you would help us isolate that and, and deal with it 
and be strong and that we will be stronger than ever before. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I ask you to deliver us from the snare of the devil. Even if we don't see something, we're blindsided because there's a cause within us. I pray, Lord, that we will not meet that intersecting point of which we might fail. Deliver us and give us victory. And Lord, help us to receive the crown of life and to walk in life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I seal this word in the heart of every person. Amen. Would you like to hear some practical wisdom and life-changing truth penned by a brother who spent more time with Jesus Christ than any one of the original disciples? Come join us at Generations Church each week for a live men's Bible study as we learn from the book of James, featuring over a dozen different speakers sharing from their hearts personal illustrations and life-changing applications sure to revolutionize and renew the minds of everyone attending. If you can't make it here, you can still join us from anywhere in the world via telephone. For a live conference call that will include you in this biblical journey, simply call us at 712-432-1500. That number is 712-432-1500. At the prompt, dial 743-883 and then hit the pound sign. That code again is 743-883, and then hit the pound sign. And that will connect you to us each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here at Generations Church of Granbury, Texas. God bless you. Come join the gang.